Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben and Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Hello and welcome to the Circling the Bases podcast. My name is DJ Short and back with me here is my co-host Drew Silva. The MLB trade deadline is fast approaching, what are we, about four days from that August 2nd deadline and we've already seen a couple of deals go down, including Andrew Benintendi to the Yankees on Wednesday. Still a lot to be determined in advance of Tuesday's trade deadline. And in order to dig into all that, we're happy to be joined by J.P. Morosi of MLB Network and also contributing right here at NBC Sports. J.P., thanks so much for coming on the show. We're big fans of your work. Thanks, DJ and Drew. This is one of the very best times of the baseball year. I love it. I love it because I I get probably the highest number of of questions from fans this year, this at this time of year than almost any other time of year. Because to be honest, the World Series, it's always hard to project, project who's going to win the World Series. But at the deadline, like we're supposed to know. Like today, just going around town. Hey, Morosi, where's Juan Soto going? Is it, guys, I'm trying to find out. Okay. Like I will, I promise you, as soon as I know this, I will let you know. But it is, uh, it's a lot of fun. And I'm, I'm really thrilled to be talking to you guys. Thanks so much for, for yeah, the invite. For sure. And uh, you guys do a great job. So it's my pleasure. For someone who like tracks news the way that you do, yeah, this is like Christmas. And DJ and I have, have followed your work for a long time. One of the best, one of the most thorough newsbreakers out there, I would say. You never put out something that seems flimsy. And I'm a huge hockey fan too, like, like you are, but we'll save DJ and, and the listeners all that stuff. As you can tell by all the blues paraphernalia. Love it. Love it. <laughs> by the way, the, the, the quick parenthetical, I will say this, and, and uh, I'm going to give an homage to Drew's hometown. One of my favorite team-related social media things I've ever seen was the blues putting out this this little clip from rookie development camp and you've probably seen this of of the blues mentioning various parts of st louis and asking the young players to pronounce them the best wow. part of it is one of their young prospects was actually from from quebec and so he's pronouncing them the french words in st louis correctly but here mm-hmm. comes the buzzer and it's not crave cool, it's crave cool. And so, like the, the the way that it's like eh, ding ding ding, it's like like none of it sort of makes sense unless you spend a lot of time there, which I just love. I love like local linguistic things, and that yeah. just like warmed my heart, made me laugh. It was perfect. Yeah, there's like they had street names like uh, we call it Gravoy, but it's Gravois, or mm. Spady, but it's like. I don't even know how to do that one. And then it's not Bellefontaine, it's Bellefountain. Bellefontaine. So, like, like, so, so uh, Duke pronounced it as a Bellefontaine. Oh, eh, wrong, it's Bellefontaine, actually. And so, well done, perfectly said. There's a Shoto Avenue, we call it Shoto, and he's like, Chateau? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was really great. And then Houston Street. In, in the exactly, city. well said, yeah. DJ, I love it. That, that, that is, there are those street names that instantly mark you as a local or not and uh both new york and st louis have them i love but it. whenever you tweet something hockey if I, I like to read the comments on those sometimes because it's like announce soto no one cares about <laughs> i know oh that's exactly i I'm, I'm lucky that by working for nhl network i can at least say hey it is part of my job yes yeah, it is right. true that a majority of my job is baseball but i can at least say it is a part of my job so it uh yeah i appreciate that drew and uh yes a lot of great memories of uh covering the blues during that uh, Stanley cup finals run and of course winning the, winning the cup there in 2019 
Yeah, I mean, I guess, we yeah. might ask you about Juan Soto. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, I'm sorry. I digress. Spoiler alert. You know. I sometimes do. I sometimes do digress. But please, uh, uh, on with the trade deadline. My apologies. No, I, well, one thing I'll say is, like, with the expanded playoffs, have you noticed sort of an uptick in enthusiasm from fan bases? Just because if you're basically – if you're 500 – you got a shot. Like Orioles fans should be excited right now. Oh yeah, they definitely should. Now certainly I'm I'm speaking to you from my beloved home state of Michigan where I would say the postseason enthusiasm is not exactly at an all-time high, but we are yeah. we are building there hopefully at some point in the future. But um you're right. Uh, and that's where the Orioles for me are a favorite topic of mine because I think that it, it's very subjective but guess what? A lot of things in baseball still are because a lot of it has to do with ownership and where a management team is and, and, and what the expectations are internally. The Orioles fans have had to deal with losing for a long time. And so for me, this might not, this might not sound logical to everybody, but I'm going to say it anyway. The Orioles, to me, there is a better argument from where I sit for Baltimore to be a buyer of at least the right sort of controllable pitching than it is the White Sox. The White Sox mm-hmm. have disappointed all season long. They have they have not really shown that, that energy and that second-half push that you expect of a contending team. They've just been mediocre to below mediocre all season long without a ton of momentum that tells me that they're going to be the team that we thought they were going to be in spring training. Whereas the Orioles... When you have asked your fan base to be this patient for this long, I, I really think it's 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 incumbent on the ownership and the front office to reward that. And and they should not trade Trey Mancini. I understand yeah. that that in a vacuum, proper asset management, sure. Do I think they're gonna beat the Yankees in the playoffs? No. But sometimes making it is a worthwhile endeavor. When the Pirates ended their drought, it mattered that they got to the wild card game and hosted it. Okay, that was important. And I think it's important that we we consider the context in saying buy or sell or hold for certain teams. If you're Baltimore, if you have the right controllable arm, if Pablo Lopez is available, get him. Get him because he's going to help your team in what is beginning to be an opening of a competitive window. The White Sox, for me, their window might be closing without them ever having actually won something. And I think that's why we have to not just look at the granular numbers of, okay, well, this team is above 500, therefore they should buy. Well, I'm not so sure of that. I think you have to consider how patient the fans have been, what the overall environment is around the team. And the Orioles are a team that I believe should reward the patience of their fans by at the very least holding and probably buying if it's the right long-term pitching. Yeah. I mean, it's not like Mancini and Jorge Lopez is going to get you like a huge haul of prospects anyway. Right. If they get a little starting pitching depth and, and get those pitchers into that ballpark, which has become pitcher friendly all of a sudden with the, with the left field wall moved back. I mean, who's to say they can't get one of those wildcard spots. They they might even, I mean, they would be like the team that I would root for to get one. Right. Yeah. And I, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. They're, they've generated so much excitement. I get that this is still a rebuilding operation, but if you've got a little taste of success and you've got a chance to, you know, put yourself over the guardians, like it, it's not like a, a loaded field there in, in the AL wildcard race, they can totally compete. I think with the energy they've shown the comeback wins that they've had. I know that's like kind of intangible stuff, but actually maybe it is tangible stuff that that they're coming back and winning baseball games and they're doing it in all kinds of ways. Um, They're one of my favorite teams to like tune into on on TV right now. Yeah, for sure. And, and and yes, and drew, you're exactly right. And the other, the other part about this and, and where the subjective somewhat gives way to the objective is, is they're a relevant team now relevant that fans there care about them. And when you build up an organization and, and, and sort of open that competitive window, fans want to buy tickets and interact with your team and engage yeah. with the product, which is the team on the field. And, and that becomes very tangible very quickly. It's just, to me, you're asking a lot of fans to be patient longer than the results suggest they should have to be patient. Okay. Like yeah. the, the, the results are starting to look good. Boston, perfect example. I think Baltimore should buy or at least hold 
Boston should probably sell. Yeah. Because you look at that team, I realize their records are very similar, but Boston has key guys who are in the final year of their deal where they can opt out. JD and Bogarts and Devers deals coming up. For Boston, do you trade Bogarts and JD and then sign Devers long-term? I would say this. I actually made this comment a couple of days ago, and I fully believe it. If you told a Red Sox fan on this day, you could have two options. Option one, you keep everybody together, make the playoffs, and win a round but lose in the division series or, or the ALCS, and then you eventually lose Devers. So win, have a good year, make the playoffs, but lose Devers in the long term. Or trade Bogarts and JD, take that savings, improve the farm system, sign Devers long-term, and miss the playoffs. I really believe Red Sox fans would choose option two. They yep. really would. And, I think so. And look at this. And so for me, making the playoffs means way less to the Red Sox and the White Sox than it does to the Orioles, and more importantly, the Orioles fans. Similarly, the Mariners fans. It means a lot to them. Oh, yeah. And and so I think we have to understand where we're at with, with some of these organizations and and what their fan bases see. There's just there's not a way that the that I see the Red Sox beating the Astros or the Yankees in a seven-game series. Sure. And that's to me in Boston, that's a failed season. But if the Orioles lose in the ALDS to the Yankees, hey, that's that's a pretty great year. Same yes, thing, honestly, with, with the Mariners, right? Yeah, totally. And I think Pablo Lopez is a great example because you can be opportunistic and it's not just about this year. It's about next year. And he could lead a rotation with Grayson Rodriguez when he's ready. DL Hall, John Means is eventually going to be back. Uh, Tyler Wells has shown some ability there. So that would be a smart move for a team who has a lot of up the middle position player talent to supplement that rotation with an arm that could be there for another couple of years. Very well said. Very well said. There, and there are a couple fun. of controllable arms out there, like Frankie Montas, Luis Castillo. I doubt they would do the top level guys, but there are there are options out there where they can. This isn't just a rental situation, right? Exactly right. And I think that the final point I was going to make too is that when when your farm system is as good as Baltimore's is and has been, like you've got your cornerstone catcher, Mount Castle's going to be a guy for you for a long time. Hayes all of a sudden has become a dependable bat. Uh, you, you've got Santander. We'll see what what his future looks like, and obviously they hope to sign Mancini. But the but I'm I'm mentioning now multiple everyday players that they've already got. So if you've done your job well, and I believe Mike Elias has done his job well, yes. then you don't need to make this trade. To your point earlier, Drew, about what the value is going to be coming back. Like so, if Mancini in the last year of his deal gets you back a a double A starter who maybe is not in the top hundred prospects, according to MLB pipeline for the overall industry. What, where's the, where's the value added there relative yeah. to what you've already got in house. You've done your job. Well, you've got a good foundation. Go play, go play. It's different. If you're the white Sox or the red Sox who have work to do. Right. And I, I think that's what this expanded playoffs has done is it's sort of make you rethink that logic where, you know, if there was not this many playoff teams, the Orioles would obviously be a, a yeah. seller. There wouldn't right. even be any second thought to that. But there are these young teams on the rise that have some upside, and Mariners, the Mariners are in there too, where suddenly you're like, hey, we got an opportunity. And so I love how that's sort of changed the mindset around the trade deadline. I think that's a great place to, to start here. We will start with Juan Soto because everyone is talking about him, and they should be. He's a generational talent. A player like him only comes around so often. And he's still, what, just 20, 23? 23 years old. It's amazing. So basically, whoever acquires Soto will not only get him for this year, but two more seasons before his free agency. Whether a team, whoever acquires him, will be able to sign him long term, who knows? But you're still going to get, you know, potentially three postseasons out of Juan Soto. Let's just say that. So the teams that everyone's hearing about right now is, is potentially top contenders for his services the Cardinals and the Padres. Uh, JP, is that sort of what you're hearing as the the leading contenders, or is it a wider field than that? I think both. I think those are the two leading contenders. I also think that more teams are involved at varying levels, depending on how the market plays out. I I have covered this sport too long to count out the Dodgers here because we know they've got 
probably the best farm system in the sport, at least the best farm system among the, the buying teams right now. So they can make this move if they want to. What I wonder is if they made this move, how does that affect their plans for Trey Turner in the long term? You know, I think the reality with the, with the Dodgers, you look at the way this team is built and the outfield going forward. If you're not sure about where Bellinger fits long term, and obviously Muncy's coming off of a down year, Trey Turner's going to be a free agent after the season's over. You probably do need a bat, right? I mean, like you probably even with Freddie Freeman, even with Mookie, you probably need one more bat. And it's be it'd be kind of nice if it's left-handed, just in case Muncy doesn't fully come back. And if you want to non-tender or move on from Bellinger, depending on how things play out, it'd be nice if it's a lefty. You've got Will Smith already there. You've got Betts, obviously Freddie. I, I think you know you've got Lux from the left side too. I just think that when you look at the the makeup of the Dodgers roster, Soto fits them very well. Their farm system is in great shape. Will Rhymes does a great job there as their farm director. Billy Gasparino has done a tremendous job bringing in talent from a domestic side on the scout as a scouting director. So for me, there's no chance I'm I'm going to I'm going to count out the Dodgers, especially because we know this: the Nationals and Dodgers just did a huge deal. By the way, how soon we forget. The Dodgers and Nationals did a massive deal a year ago when it just looked as if the Padres were going to get a superstar or two from the Nationals. I did yeah. forget about that. <laughs> and like, here we are again. Okay, so, so guess who's not going to get super excited? Say, oh, the Padres got it in the bag. Ah, yeah. I'm not so sure about that. We got yeah. we got to wait a minute. Uh, because even when it looked like the Padres were on the one-inch line, here came Andrew Friedman, and they weren't on the one-inch line all of a sudden. So I think that we got to remember that, that history. The Padres are a very aggressive team. We know they're desperate to, to get that splash and to, and, to, and to win those potential superstar acquisitions away from the Dodgers. We know that they're lurking there in the distance. And again, it's the same exact rationale of why the Padres wanted Scherzer and Turner a year ago. And yep. Honestly, their failure to get them, you know, maybe the Padres were going to miss the playoffs no matter what, but there's very little doubt for me that not having Scherzer and and Turner last year hastened the demise of the Padres last season and, sure. and the firing of Jay Stingler. I mean, that, yeah. that was a direct correlation. So I think the Padres, they don't have quite as much to trade anymore. The Mackenzie Gore injury this week doesn't help them. It's certainly yeah. a concern. But I, I think we cannot forget them because the Padres are sufficiently desperate, in my estimation. And A.J. Preller, as we know, is always always up for a big trade. Finally, I think the Cardinals, for me, what I like about them in this conversation is they have the right now piece to be a carrying piece in the deal. Whether it's Dylan Carlson, whether it's Nolan Gorman, they can give up a major league bona fide everyday player. I'd be surprised if they gave up Edmund but I, I think that's they've got players in the zero to three range who are good, who are legitimate everyday players. And so I think that they've got that piece. They've got Mason Wynn, who had the best arm we saw at the Futures game, just so happens he plays shortstop. Jordan Walker, really good outfielder. They've got Libertor as well. But the, the reason why we're, we're talking about Soto, and, and he's admittedly not having that great of a year uh, by his own standards. He's, he's having a really good year. He's not having an MVP here. I think we should sort of keep that in mind a little yeah. bit as we talk about him. But but remember this. Juan Soto is younger than 12 players who were in the Futures game. Well, <laughs> 12 of the stars of tomorrow, 12 promising young talents, the youngest bright stars in our game, are older than Juan yeah. Soto. Yeah, I love, I love when the conversation goes to like, oh, you got to keep your prospects. You know, it's like this guy's 23. He just turned 23 years old, too. He's like, right. like he is a prospect, like you said. He, he's incredible. Yeah. And, and, and I'll, one final point that I'll make on just sort of like the, the overall big picture Soto conversation. I find it funny, ironic, funny, sort of humorous funny when when I've been asked, well, is there pressure on the team acquiring Soto to sign him long term? And the answer I give is no. Because the dude has turned down half a billion dollars. I don't think he's going to accept what, like, oh, 440 was a no, but 441, you know what? No, nah, no, nah, I'm thinking about this one. No, 
he, yeah. he's like he's just not going to sign unless something unless the number starts with a five. Yeah. And so we're just not even gonna have to worry about that. This trade is clear cut, period the end, two and a half years of Juan Soto. That's what you're getting. You're not you're not gonna get some extension to negotiate a contract. There's nothing there's nothing happening like that. He's not gonna sign for 441 or 442 or 444 in a week. That's not gonna happen. So he yeah. he clearly wants to be a free agent. So I think honestly, it's kind of given clarity that, to the whole situation is let everybody off the hook. The Nationals can trade him with a clear conscience and say, "Look, we tried. We offered the guy darn near half a billion dollars." Like and he said no. I mean, there's not it's it's impossible for a Nationals fan, at least from where I sit, to say, "Oh, you were too cheap. Why didn't you keep him?" No, he turned down half a billion dollars and they're not close to being as good as the Mets or the Braves or the Phillies right now. They're not right. close. So the right. Nationals, I, I absolve them of anything with respect to this. You know, certainly if you if we want to take issue with the Strasburg contract, fine. But this is the right decision to trade Juan Soto right now. And one question about the Soto situation is Patrick Corbin's been mentioned a lot as potentially being attached to this trade to shed that salary does that have a real chance of happening? Because it seems to keep floating out there for some yeah, reason or another. I think an acquiring team would be like, sure, we'll do that. You know what I mean? If we have to give up less in the way of talent. But is that a real thing? I don't think so. Uh, and, and Mike Rizzo has made some public comments along those lines this week to say that he's not going to do that. Uh, I, I think this, the Nationals looking at their payroll, Nelson Cruz obviously has a short-term deal. Josh Bell's up and he'll probably be traded in the next several hours at this point. Strasburg, obviously, and now we're not sure if they're able to collect insurance on his situation. Yeah. It doesn't look as though he's close to pitching again anytime soon. So you're starting to wonder what payroll emergency exists that is necessitating them to trade Patrick Corbin's contract. Yeah. I'm just not seeing it right now. A, a reason why you need to give up, why you need to sort of, to use Mike Rizzo's word, dilute the return by attaching a contract that that you don't want any longer, I I don't I don't see that's going to be a a plausible strategy. And and, and by the way, if you're trading the contract, you're obviously doing it because you're hoping that the whole the new team is going to take the whole thing or at least a large portion of it. And like the Dodgers, they're right up against the the luxury tax. They're not going to do that. So I, I just I don't know. It it does it appears to me it's there's a certain logic to it if you really had to make the move to afford player X in free agency to make sure that you cleared that money out, but they're not doing that. So I, I just, I don't see it being a real actionable plan for the nationals right now. Well, I'm going to put you on the spot with the, do you think this happens before Tuesday? Soto gets dealt. You want to yep. put a percentage on that? I do. I think it's probably like 70%. Yeah, I do. I just think that once you've walked down this far and and you've got the right teams involved yes, that's true okay? oh yeah like this is not a year where and this is why you know i remember this uh it, it's one of the things that i always keep in mind this time of year in most cases in most cases doug melvin told me this when he was the, the gm of the brewers years ago and i think he was totally correct he said in most cases it makes sense to trade a position player in the offseason trade your pitching in season because of a couple reasons number one GMs are always more comfortable when they're seeing a pitcher in front of them all the time. Okay, this guy's velocity is good. He looks healthy. I saw him pitch two days ago. I'll, yes. I'm comfortable with the risk. That and everybody, if you're trading somebody who's valuable, like Luis Castillo, okay, he is better than every single contending team's fifth starter. Everybody. Yeah. Luis Castillo makes every team better immediately yeah. because he's taking the job of someone on this day whom he is objectively better than, okay? Yeah. So the pitching always makes sense to trade at the deadline. Position player, if it's someone who's controllable beyond this year or is on a longer-term contract, they've got to fit your payroll now, fit your roster now, and then the same two things into the future. And if you've got a kid that you like at AA and you're not, I'm not so sure that I want to block him with this guy, he's got a big contract, whatever it is. But Soto is so unique that yeah. guess what? He is the young guy, yeah. right? So, like, so he, he is the young guy. And, and by the way, without him being on this half a billion dollar deal, 
like he's making what 17 million dollars this year so he'll get an obviously a huge raise yeah. but like the dodgers can handle that so yeah. can the padres and so can the cardinals so yeah. you're not you're not having to bring somebody in who who creates all kinds of unwieldy decisions the padres outfield has been transient to say the very least this season so you can put sure. him anywhere you want to the cardinals right. if they make this deal they're probably trading them carlson they've had yeah. some injuries out there so he fits. He fits everybody. And so I think, and, and Bellinger, he might be let go after this season. So there's ways that he fits all these teams that we're talking about. I think the Yankees, obviously, with the Benintendi move, they're probably no longer in that group of three that make the yeah. most sense for Soto, but it's the Yankees and it's hard to know for sure. Yeah. And with Luis Severino going down, do, and the Yankees kind of have been a bit more mortal this month in July. Um, do we see them making a, a trade for a starting pitcher? I think they should. And, and this is where a starter, like one name that makes a ton of sense for a lot of teams that I think it maybe has not been talked about enough is Martin Perez from Texas, because he is someone that has some bullpen experience, great teammate. He's been in the playoffs before really sort of comfortable personality. When you're already a good team, you want to bring in people that, that sort of fit your culture and 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 blend well with the clubhouse that you've got. And Martin Perez is a pro, and he understands the deal here. I think Jose Quintana does as well. He's been traded before at the deadline. I think Chad Cool is a pretty low maintenance guy. I think those 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 names for me, but I think especially Martin Perez for for the Yankees. He's pitched in the AL East before. He's pitched in hitter friendly ballparks before. I just think he checks a lot of the boxes that you want. And if, if your rotation is healthier than you expect it to be, he would probably pitch out of the bullpen and, and do quite well in that role. And certainly with the Michael King situation, they need help there as well. So I, I, I do think, and by the way, we think about Texas, you could try to two for one, you know, Matt Moore is there and pitching pretty well to the bullpen as well. So there, there's a few different possibilities there, but I, I think the Rangers clearly with the way the Mariners have played, um, I think the Rangers are definite sellers, and I would pay very close attention to those two lefties I mentioned there in Perez and more. The starting pitching trade market is always fascinating because, like, as always, the demand outweighs the supply for starters, but there's a lot out there. Like, we talked about Luis Castillo, Frankie Montas. Those would probably be the top two. With Noah Syndergaard is interesting. I know he's, you know, not what he was. Jose Quintana's having a great year. Tyler Malley has looked healthy since coming off that shoulder scare. Maybe Madison Bumgarner. I know that's a big contract. We talked about Pablo Lopez, Chad Cool, Martin Perez. Like these are pretty high impact starters. Uh, if the Giants want to, you know, sell some of their starters, Tarek Skubal, you know, if the Tigers really are serious about listening on him. Um, have you have you heard any news about what the Tigers plan to do, by the way? You know, that, know it's, a great, it's a great question. Yeah, certainly here in Michigan, I know there's lots of discussion about it. I I, I don't think that they should trade Scooble for a couple reasons. Number one, they spent a lot of time this year saying that they're beginning a competitive window, and I don't really see how that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. If you're trading Scooble, you would want to get back a controllable left-handed starter <laughs> like Derek Scooble. So yeah. I, I just don't know that that really is a is the right strategy to take. And, and even then – his value is down a little bit from what it was in April and May. So I, I just, I don't, I don't get it. I mean, I, I can understand that the, the Tigers probably feel as though they should have maximized Fulmer's value and traded him back in 2017 when they had the chance to, yeah, uh, yeah. they could have gotten probably a significant franchise changing deal at that point in time. They whiffed uh, obviously yeah. Fulmer's done a great job of, of remaking himself as a really good reliever. But yeah. I, I, again, the Tigers trading Fulmer in 2017 is much more logical than the Tigers trading Tarek Skubal now yeah. because of where they're at with their window. In 2017, it was apparent. It was an old team and had to go through a, re a reboot. Now yeah. you're supposed to be better. You know, Torkelson's supposed to be in the major leagues. I mean, there's – so I, I'm a – I always try to, when I look at teams, like don't don't compound a mistake with, yeah. with another decision along those same lines. Just take a step back. Let's – Think about what we're doing here. Let's make a good decision. I, so I just – I don't think Scooble is going anywhere. I, I, and he shouldn't. I mean, like no. he really should not. No, You're not – yeah, this is not 
Cleveland trading Clevenger a few years ago. That's not at all the same thing. They, they really, that should not happen in my view. Uh, I, I think, you know, you mentioned a couple of names. Malley is one who I think has never been the trendiest name. He was awesome but, last year, you know? Yes. Like people, and he's great, great away from great American ball. Yes, too. precisely. So, yeah. and I think you, you mentioned his form since coming back from the shoulder issues. I think he has like a three ERA or better yep. since the beginning of June. So like he's, I, I think Malley is a low key guy to watch here. Um, you know, Montas worries me a bit. There's been injuries and in, inconsistency there that make me a little, little hesitant. If I'm a team like the Yankees, you know, maybe, I don't know. I just think when you're, when you're the New York Yankees, you bring in somebody, you, you have to kind of know a little bit about what to expect. And I'm telling you, I think Martin Perez has that. He's pitched in the playoffs before he's, he's pitched, you know, in, in some pretty, I remember he started, I think one of those key games against Toronto, whether it was 15 or 16 as just a younger pitcher. I mean, he, so he's, He's not going to be afraid by Yankee Stadium, and I, I think that you need you need to have at least a little bit of understanding. You know, the other team that for me, like, what does Boston do with their pitching? So, so how does Evaldi look? Yeah. Do you do you consider moving or you know, uh, like a Nick Pavetta? You know, for me, Boston is their. You know, to me, their situation should be clearer than a lot of other teams. Their standard is and always should be. Can we beat the Yankees? And they can't. Okay. They're just, they're not as good as them right now. So your fans are some of the smartest fans in the game. Like they know what a championship team looks like. They've seen four of them in the last 20 years. Right. They're they're not being fooled here. So, so be real and realize that it's just not happening this year and act accordingly. And I think that's what the Red Sox, as hard as it is to do there to ask for patience, that's what they've got to do. I mean, you know, their team if, I'm watching closely. If you've seen the hard luck of Chris Sale this year, I mean, that that is symptomatic of the Red Sox, Red Sox season in general, the bad luck that he's had. And if you right. can't have him in your rotation, it's going to be really hard. That, that organization has been really good at bouncing back from like a low to a high. You know, they're good right. at doing it. Right. And that's exactly right. And I think that they, you know, you, you think about some, they've had some guys come up. And obviously to your point, when they, when they bought about in 12, they had Bogarts arrive the next year. You know, the, the 2018 team was very homegrown. Yeah. A lot of really key guys. And certainly most of them have moved on by now, but, but they've, they've got to find a way for me. They got to sign Devers. I, I like yeah. Bogarts. I love Bogarts and I think they should try to sign him too. But Devers is put his numbers up there against Juan Soto. And, and it's at least right now, man. Yeah. You can't trade Mookie bets and then not read. And you know, then, yeah. Extends yes, totally, exactly. Totally. I mean, yeah. so yeah. Th- that's a great point, Drew. So, like, what's your end game? You are the Boston Red Sox, right. okay? Like, at some point in time, you can't just like start trading away your generational players that won you a World Series. It just right. not when you're Boston, and not when they're in their twenties. It's different. I'm not talking about you know the Tigers trading Verlander and Upton when it was apparent that that was what they were supposed to do. Yeah. Like, this is a different situation, and. and They've, they've got to keep at least one of the two. And I just think Devers with his age and, and production at that position is just special. For sure. And, and you know, at least with Bogarts, whatever his next contract is going to be, it's going to be in his 30s. So right. his decline will come in there sometime. So Devers is the one to sign. And, and after, you know, letting bets go as they did and seeing him thrive in Los Angeles, you know, they got to get that done. No question. They do. I think there's a lot of pressure on them for that reason. And, and I, I thought uh, Alex Spear wrote a really good piece about, or it was Chris Gasper actually wrote a great piece about Mookie during the all-star game. And just, you know, he, he should still be, he should still be a Red Sox. Like that there should have been a way to make that work. And I, I think there were some lessons learned there yeah. that yeah. should inform a relatively, a relatively discerning judgment on the part of the Red Sox that, okay, whatever our next good team looks like, Devers is playing third base on it. So let's not, let's not try to get too clever here. I mean, there, there's just, there's no way that that organization can maximize value on Devers because they need a player like him to help guide them to that next chapter, which is, seems to be starting right about now. Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, 
and a fan favorite sale on Ben and Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. I was. We have to ask you about the Angels and Shohei Otani. Is there's no way that happens this summer, right? Like, I mean, we've got four days, and it would be like the biggest trade. I'd be bigger than Juan Soto, I think. I mean, that, right. That that news story, even though he only has one more year till free agency, I, he's a guy. It's that like can, getting two for one, two yeah, superstars. Exactly. Right. <laughs> right. Well, every that, that every team's like, like, hey, hey, we need a starter and we need a bat. Hey, we got. Yeah. Him. We just got. Let's him. Get him. Let's go get him. No, so uh, to your point. Drew and, and DJ, it was interesting. I was it was a little bit of a thought exercise that I was kind of you know mentioning to people in the last in the last several days, sort of before the weekend, to say, okay, if you were going to trade a year and a half of Otani versus two and a half years of Soto, which is more valuable? So obviously Soto has one more year, and that, that's pretty hard to to say that it's not Soto. And yet, I mean, if we're going to do the very sort of crude math here, it's like it's Otani's two Otani's two players. And one and a half times two is greater than two and a half. I don't know. I mean, you know, that's that's like the most basic math ever. But but it's it's it just sort of it's sort of an absurd way to look at it. But like we got we're out of ways to describe Otani. Okay, like I'm out of words here, guys. I don't know what else to say beyond that. He is just someone that we have never seen before. And so for that reason, the Angels just cannot trade him right now. They just cannot. I mean, I I do think. I do believe there is at least a segment of the organization. And what I, if I were to sort of offer a little conjecture here, it would seem logical that the front office will do its diligence and say, Hey, okay, make me a totally crazy offer for Otani. And, and we'll talk about it. And then I will bring it up to my owner because that's what you're supposed to do when you're the GM. And so I think that's probably what's happening. I think Artie Moreno you know, does his calculus change this somewhat, somewhat maybe not really concerning news about Mike Trout's back? Who knows what that all means? Um, I, I, I just think that the bar. I'm sure Perry Manassian's talking to people about a lot of things because he's a really good worker and I think he's a really bright GM. But I don't think that he is going to present an offer to Artie Moreno that that already looks at and says, yep, this, this makes us a better organization. I didn't say roster notice. I said organization because look at an angels game, all the advertisements, global companies, partnerships, corporate relationships, sponsorships, you trade the guy who's driven a lot of that in the middle of the year with trout on the injured list. Like what are we doing here? So I just think as hard as it is for them to say, I, I look at it two different ways. Pure roster management, yeah, you trade them right now. Yeah, but this is not—that's not the question here. This is not a fancy team. This is this is a business, and and you're trying to get a new ballpark. It's just th- this is something where you might lose them. You might lose them for nothing. You might, you might, yeah. but just you know let what? it go to free agency, right? Yeah, you might lose them for for a pick at the end of the day. But you know what? Let's not forget. And I'm just you know this is sort of maybe my sense of fairness here a little bit. 
you got them for darn near nothing to begin yep. with. Okay. Yep, right. So let's so let's not let's not get greedy here. You didn't have to give them a nine-figure deal to bring them over. Okay. So let's not say, well, where's my big payout? Eh, that, that's not really how this whole relationship started. Okay. So I, I think right. for me, you kind of got to do right by now, unless he comes to you and says, I want out and, and I'm not happy here anymore. I don't think he's done that. I think he's kind of tired of losing. He's kind of hinted that he yeah. wants to test for agency. Yeah. And so that's where, and so the, I would say the only way that this, that this happens. Okay. Is if Otani goes to Artie and Perry and says, listen, to circle back to what we just talked about, yep. you got me for pretty uh, on a pretty darn good deal. I would submit the best and most team friendly signing bonus in the modern history of professional sports. Okay. Yeah, hard so, to argue. so period. I mean, like show me a better deal than that. So, right. so if he comes to you and says, listen, I gave you guys four and a half years of primo production and, and the situation here that I'm seeing, I don't like you got me at a bargain to begin with. And I want out. If that's what his agent says to Artie and, and if Artie says, I want to do right by you, and, I, and my obligation is to you and, and to be to sort of do the right thing for you and for the sport if they feel like him going to fill in the blank team is better for baseball. I, I can accept that. But the only way this deal happens, in my view, is if it's driven by Shohei Otani himself. Yep. Yeah. I think, I think that's a real good summation of that situation. I, I, I wouldn't, yeah, I think it's just going to go to free agency and then like it's going to be. One of well, I mean, assuming he's still doing what he's doing, what what he's done, I think it's going to be the right. craziest like bidding war. How do you even value the guy? Well, that's like, it. Yeah. That's it, Drew. That's a great point, and that's why. And the, the only part of that thought exercise with comparing two and a half years of Soto with with one and a half of Otani that sort of trips me up a little bit is that to your point, like we're one elbow twinge away from this whole plan yeah. not being what it is, and and I, I I'm a little more sure of what Juan Soto looks like in two years than yes. I am Otani, which is because just, of the yeah. uniqueness of the overall plan. I think he's just going to break the AAV record by double. And if something. he keeps it up, he should like, yeah, he, he should. should. He should. God bless, man. It's just, it's amazing. I would struggle if I was an owner to like give him 10 years, but if you could do like five years, $75 million, a year or something, I, you know, like something, it's going to be a weird. Oh, he'll weird... break the AAB. Yeah. He'll break yeah. the Max Scherzer AAB. There's no, totally. there's no question about that. So there is a trade that's been reported. It's not a major trade, but it's one I'm still trying to figure out as a Mets fan. So Ken Rosenthal, our buddy, he reports the Mets are acquiring Tyler Naquin and left-handed reliever, Philip deal from the Reds minor leaguers going to the Reds. I don't know, understand that one. Cause Naquin is a left-handed outfielder. The Mets. He's pretty good. Just, it's just yeah, weird. I mean, he, he, he. I mean, he's a good fielder. Um, but I, I don't know what that does. That mean maybe someone's hurt. I, I don't know. Like, I, I'm trying to figure that one out. Honestly, could be. I, I'm thinking about their their group. I mean, obviously, they've had some injury issues with Canna uh, you know, a little bit earlier in the year. Marte's been pretty durable this year, but certainly by his uh, by his standards. It is a little surprising, but. What it also leads me to believe is that there's maybe another another move that sort of hinges on it. I mean, I, I think obviously yeah. Dom Smith has had some interest. And certainly, I, I know he spent a lot of the year at the, at the minor league level, but maybe they want to get a little extra protection. I mean, the good thing for the Mets, where they're fortunate, is they've got, and this is where you know Buck Showalter always knows how to get the most out of his players. They have one of the very best, in my view, sort of utility multi-position infielders in in Giorme, who I think is oh, yeah. I think Giorme is really good. And yep. McNeil is hitting again, and Escobar has picked it up a little bit since the beginning of the year. I, I think that they they got a really good team, and I they think do. that they, you know, Naquin is a good a good depth piece. Obviously, been, yeah. this is not a show stopping type of a trade, but I, I think it's it's it addresses a need. And maybe to your point, if if you know Nimmo or anybody else, if there's any kind of issue that they've got with their outfield. You know, Naquin can address a lot of the – he's good coverage for you. And let's remember about where we're at as, as a sport. There's no more August 31. So so you got to make – if you're going to make your move, you know, sometimes I think, you know, we might see teams making moves to add a second lefty that they'll be able to park a AAA for a while 
a third catcher to put a triple a those kinds of moves I, I think are important and and they can help a team and I, I think it's a key way to sort of build up that kind of a depth this time of year. Yeah, I think what they've done really well under Steve Cohen that they didn't always do, even when they were running a decent payroll, is make, you know add depth pieces. Like it's not all about the the superstars. You need guys that can get you through a season, and maybe this is part of some other kind of deal too. Yeah, I, I think they've got their hands in a lot of pots. I think I think them and the Cubs are going to link up at some point over the next four days as yeah, well. Daniel like, Robertson is probably one of the biggest names on the relief market. And it yeah. does seem like, uh, maybe you've heard this too, JP, the relief market seems thinner than I'm used to seeing it. Are you getting the same idea? I, I think to a degree, but I, I would also say, DJ, that sometimes relievers that you don't expect to move will move, you know, guys that have a little more control uh, on them. I think that's another thing, you know, who was, who was talking about Clay Holmes last year before the yeah. deadline, you know, and, and all of a sudden he's become a game changing reliever back there. So that, that for me, I, I think that, and, and we might see it happen more towards August 2nd, but when you're talking trade with a team, I, I think the savvy GMs, and it's again, it's sort of that last little bit of of negotiating, and it's always you know you don't want to jeopardize a deal over this, but it's important. You know, when in doubt, ask for the extra reliever. So like once you've really gotten down the line, once once a team has negotiated with with the Nationals on Soto, all the way to the end, they say, wait a minute, how about Finnegan too? How about Cishek? It's like, <laughs> are they going to say no at that point? I mean, yeah. probably not. And so I I think that that's. That's that's kind of the Clay Holmes story. I mean, like that. I mean, granted, the the Yankees had some pretty good reports on him, obviously, but but that's the kind of move that can change a team. And so Clay Holmes was not a pending free agent, but he was a guy that that made sense because of where the Pirates were. So if you're the Tigers, you know, I don't think that Gregory Soto is going anywhere. I, I would be stunned if he did. But you know, Joe Jimenez might, and and they've got Andrew Chafin, they've got. Bulmer. I mean, so all those guys should be in play. The Royals, they've got a number of relievers that should be in play, not just the obvious, maybe like a Scott Barlow. I mean, they should be, they should move a lot of different guys. I mean, once, once, once you're clearly a seller, you know, own it, right? Yeah. Unload and, the bullpen. <laughs> right. There are, there are very few teams in the American league, at least that are like obvious. You should move, you should move your bullpen pieces. Detroit. Yes. KC. Yes. Oakland, the Angels, and probably Texas. The only five, really. I mean, that's yeah. you know, that's yeah. not sure. It's not that many, but you know, again, Texas should move more. Um, you know, th those those are the kind of decisions that you probably should look to make, and, and probably even some names that are not as obvious besides more, because you're not you're not going for it. you know a guy like in Oakland, Trevino uh, or Lou Trevino, who's yeah. not who is not really having by numbers an awesome year. But he's been there before, and he could just as easily have a great second half, even if he had the first half that was a little up and down. Yeah. I think Trevino's a guy that I'd watch carefully this year at the deadline. Daniel yeah, Bard. Uh, yeah, Bard. Yep, there you go. Uh, yeah, we've I talked mean, about control. Like you were mentioning controllable relievers. Sometimes that's a surprise when these guys end up being dealt. Drew and I have talked, I'd say over the past month, a couple, a couple of times we mentioned David Bednar with the Pirates. That seems like a perfect example of a surprise kind of reliever who could be moved because the pirates aren't likely to be a contender in the next two, maybe three years. Who knows if David Bednar will be healthy or effective once they're ready to contend. It seems like a situation where they should capitalize. I don't know if they will, but I think that would make sense. Right. No, I agree. It sort of goes back to like the Ken Giles trade, that sort of construct. Like when you've got a closer and he's on a non-contending team, you know, make the move now. Uh, I think there is some wisdom there. I, I also think that you know, the Pirates, they, they've shown some signs of life to where do you need to, I mean, for me, like if you get, if you get two legitimate frontline starters that are really going to help you, because uh, you, you've got your shortstop, which is great. You've got your third baseman. That's great too. So you're, you're starting to fill in some pieces is kind of what I'm, what I'm getting at here. But if, but if trading, if trading Bednar gives you, a couple starting pitchers that you really like that, that are going to be able to potentially be in your rotation in the next couple of years. Like you do it. You sort of, you think about, I, I go back like the Marcus Stroman deal with Toronto. He was, he was in his walk year, but they got two arms from, from New York. 
you know, we can talk about if that deal actually worked out for both sides or not, but, but at least that the concept is, yeah, trade, trade the reliever. And if you get two starters back that you like, if you think they can, that they're going to start for you, do it. And so I, I would expect that Pittsburgh will be open-minded. I think the price tag is going to be high and it should be, but I, I'm with you. I think that it's a, it's a logical time for them to explore that exact possibility. I feel like we've covered a lot of angles. Um, yeah. The Cubs. I feel like that's one team we need to talk about Contreras, a little bit. I mean, Contreras for me is definitely gone. I think yeah. Hap probably. Um, Robertson. You know, uh, yeah, Robertson is it for sure. Uh, you know, I think Contreras, whether it's – I mean, the, the Mets make a ton of sense there. Houston, every every contender feels like needs a better offense at catcher, right? Right. I mean, almost, almost every contender. I guess Alejandro – Toronto's fine. Except for Toronto, who's at, who has three catchers. And, yeah. and, that, and that's one team that I'm watching. You know, do you trade Gabriel Moreno at this point in time? Do you trade a Danny Jansen? I mean, Kirk, to me, keep him, love yes. him. Don't don't move that guy. But I, I think every I think the other two catchers, you know, Toronto's in such a unique position because they've had to give up some players from the minor leagues in the last couple of years. So don't do that again. Just maybe give up a major league catcher because a lot of teams – a lot of teams that are just starting to build themselves up again need a legitimate good major league catcher. And Gabriel Moreno yep. and Jansen are more than qualified uh, on those merits. Yeah, totally agree. Well, we will have to have you back because the World Baseball Classic is coming. Amen. We, love, up, we love the World Wait. Baseball Classic. <laughs> love um, it. So we will definitely have you back to talk about the World Baseball Classic. But, you know, trade deadline, we got to get through that first. We had the postseason. Yeah. But uh, I admit, I mean, I, I miss the World Baseball Classic. It's so much fun. Me too. And I'm sure you do too. Oh, love it. So, I, I mean, you call me any day, any cold January day when you need a topic. Send me that email. Says, hey, John, we got to talk about how the Puerto Rican infield is going to look. And I, I'll be there. Five minutes, guys. I'll be there in five minutes. We're going to Dubaias, Correa, where are we all going to be? You just let me know, and we'll, we'll make it happen, okay? I love the I love it, JP. Thank you so thank much. Thank, thank you. So Thanks, Drew. It was my pleasure. Enjoy the trade deadline in the second half here, guys. Thanks so much. Thank you. So for our listeners, just a quick note before we go. Weekends are better with MLB Sunday leadoff coverage presented by Uber Eats. Catch the Tigers take on the Blue Jays in Toronto on Sunday, July 31st at 1130 Eastern, live on Peacock. To learn more, go to PeacockTV.com slash MLB. And if you want a chance to win $25,000 on the game, download the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet and enter Sunday's free Grand Slam Pick'em Contest. If you like what you're hearing with this show, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review if you don't mind. Follow us on Twitter if you don't already. I'm at DJ Short. Drew is at Drew Silve. Take care, everyone, and we will see you next time. Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan-favorite sale on Ben & Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.